10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. theory and true crime. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios in Stark Bridge Radio. I try to Dark Fringe Radio listeners, I am your host, Will Martinez, and thank you for joining us on Dark Fringe Radio, your number one spot for the paranormal, conspiracy theory, and true crime. And of course, I can't do this without my co-host, Jay Colosi. Jay, what's going on, brother? How you doing? I am fantastic. If I was any better, it would be unfair. Uh, I'm excited. We have a wonderful show. We have a wonderful guest. We're going to have a great time. I am ready to have some fun. Absolutely. And so am I. And uh, you're absolutely right, Jake. Tonight we have a very special guest and uh, very funny that we've had some synchronicities that just appeared on uh, before we got onto the podcast. We'll talk all about that. But how to listen to the podcast, Jay. Uh, can you tell everybody how they can listen to Dark Fringe Radio and get their healthy helping of Dark Fringe Radio? Well, if you're listening, if you're looking to listen to the dulcet tones of Will and Jay, looking for your paranormal conspiracy and any kind of information you need on those kinds of habits, we can be found at Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you get podcasts. Amazon, Google, you can find us. Or if you want to see our pretty faces, you can get it on YouTube or go direct to the source at darkfringe.com. Absolutely, Jay. Couldn't said it better myself. So, uh, yeah, please uh, follow, like, and share all of our stuff. The main uh, page, is, of course, is darkfringeradio.com. That's where it's all at. So make sure you go ahead and check us out there. But that is the side of tonight. Tonight, our main focus is our interview with um, our great guest, which is author Lynn Monet. And uh, Lynn Monet is a world-renowned author of Omnipresent, Omnipresent, What uh, Happens Next, uh, and soon to be released. I think it's already released, but Colors of Heaven, Beginnings Never End. Uh, Lynn is a paranormal consultant and lecturer specializing in hauntings and afterlife. Uh, she's an empath with an ability to see frequencies interdimensionally most cannot. Uh, she has been a nurse for over 20 years, which uh, most of uh, have been in the end of care life, uh, management, and geriatrics. And she also has a, a degree in biological science. Lynn has been a guest on Earth Files, Coast to Coast to AM, Spaced Out Radio, After Hours AM, Darkness Radio, uh, The Bunny, The Leak Project. I mean, it just goes on and on. She's been a, a great guest on so many different shows. Please welcome our guest, Miss Lynn Monet. Lynn, thank you for uh, coming on Dark Fringe Radio. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. I was really looking forward to this today. Thank you so much for having me. 
No, thank you. And um, we were introduced by a common listener, Mrs. Linda Judd, and I want to give out a, a thanks to her for uh, obviously bridging uh, you know the gap between you and I and introducing mm-hmm. us together. And um, listen, we started chatting uh, right before uh, we uh, started this podcast. We figured out that uh, we're kind of like uh, not far from each other as far as where we kind of grew up. No, like neighbors, actually, real close. And uh, and love you, Linda. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes, absolutely, Linda. Yeah, wow. and so yeah, it's 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 great to find somebody like that. And it's it's weird because then you figure out like the world is not so big, you know what I mean? And you just all of a sudden you get connected to somebody like, oh, you actually grew up in the small little town that I grew up in, Florida. Very weird. But anyways, synchronicities I think happen for a reason. And we'll get into all that here in a little bit. But Lynn, I mean, you're the author of five books. I mean, you have Omnipresent and then Colors of Heaven, Beginnings Never End. Where where did all this work start from? Where did it come from? What was the genesis of you starting your 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 work and all this? Well, um, I've always had abilities of of second sight ever since I was a little girl. And as you and I had had a brief conversation, I I lived three short blocks behind Bethesda Hospital in Boynton Beach. And they have a nursing home um, directly next door and Indian mounds on the opposite side because all the buildings were there. Bethesda was a little teeny tiny pink hospital then. And it was commonplace. My siblings and I would see p- patients in patient gowns and Indians walking through our house. So <laughs> a- as I got older, um, I was raised Presbyterian. As I got older, when I got to be about 10 years old, my mom took a jaunt with the Jehovah's Witnesses, which is a book in itself. And wow. um, we got a lot of common. In, yeah, I, I was yeah. taken in front of the elders. And of course, you know, if you're seeing things, everything's a demon. And that they, they scared right. me so badly as a child <laughs> oh, God. that that I I mean, if I, I would continue to see things, I would run out of the room just as fast as anybody else. And that's how it all kind of started when I moving forward. Um, as a single mother, I purchased a home in uh, East Flat Rock, North Carolina, and it turned out that it was badly haunted. It was so haunted, I was never able to move in. That's where the Omnipresent series started, which is the first book. These are all true stories. Omnipresent is going to end up being a series of five books. The second book is out, What Happened Next, that has to do with attachments, mental illness, drug addiction, and what all happened next, because again, I can see attachments on people. The third book is coming out the first part of July. It's called 111 Omnipresent 111 Beckadon Drive. And it's about a townhouse that I had to help clear that the ghost was going from townhouse to townhouse. It was a male ghost. I have a picture of him. First time I've ever seen a naked ghost. Um, They always present in clothes. Yeah, I took the picture. And he was pulling down women's underwear and crawling in bed with them at night. In the process, yeah, in the process, um, I wrote a book called Colors of Heaven, Beginnings Never End, based on what I've seen um, as an end-of-life care nurse, consistencies, people talking about seeing loved ones. It's not hallucinations, people. They're really seeing their loved ones. Um, I've got some examples of that. Hoping to take the stigma of death and dying away. I actually, when my mother past, I saw her come out of her body and I was able to glimpse into some of the beautiful reception and things that occur at that time. And anybody that's uh, that's galactically inclined, it is all connected. It is all connected. 
So mm. it's not, you know, just one way or the other it kind of brings everything together. I did write a, um, a fourth book that is out called The Gap, What Else Your Adolescent and Teen Needs to Know. It's not about paranormal, but I have a 14-year-old and I was looking at, uh, for a book for her. And of course, everything leaves off with, you know, good touch, bad touch and picks up with human trafficking. So there's that gap there. So the book's actually yeah. called The Gap. And it talks about things like, um, you know, not your very first date. Don't wear your stinky sneakers because uh, being no matter how beautiful or handsome you are, stinky sneakers are not, you know, attractive on a date. And what to do if a condom breaks? Not that I'm saying that your kids should be having sex, but if they are, they need to know what to do if a condom breaks. So yeah, that's a that great sort of information. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's how it all kind of started was with that omnipresent with that house, because I had had the religion choked down my throat so much. I mean, it actually left me with post-traumatic stress. I, I, I would have anxiety attacks even going into a church for a wedding for a very, very long time. But when I purchased that house that I was never able to move into, I was able to get with people of like mind. And because of that and people that were seeing things at the same time that I was so it validated me and I started to realize that I'm okay. I'm normal. This is normal. So I started to nurture my gifts again. And um, that's how I've gotten here. So, yeah, no, that's a great story. No, I mean, what a ride that you went through just to get to where you're at now. I mean, that's just, you know, it's a phenomenal story. I mean, looking back now, you know, growing up, having religion forced upon you, um, I know you, you've explained that that has given you some type of PTSD or, you know, some type of, you know, anxiety, at least, um, what is your, what is your take on that now? Um, you having children, were you, you know, did you duplicate that type of behavior from your parents and <laughs> do the same thing? Or did they actually push you to do the opposite thing? Um, what was your whole take on that? You know, I, I am spiritual. I'm more spiritual than traditional religion um, type thing. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a purpose for traditional religion. I I have exposed my children to some of the general stories like Noah's Ark and, you know, uh, David and Goliath. and the, You know, those sorts of things like that because they are part of history. But my children are all empaths. So I have always supported that. You know, I've always, I've never, you know one of the worst things that parents can do when they have a child that's an empath or even a child that's seeing something in their home and they come to the parent, maybe even scared in the middle of the night, the worst thing that a parent can do is tell them that there's nothing there. You know, if a child comes to a parent more than once and talking about the same thing, you know, um, you need to ask them, is it making you feel uncomfortable? And is it asking you to do something that you know you're not supposed to? And if there's a yes answer to either one of those or both, then there's a problem. You know, most of the time parents will say, oh, well, it's just your Aunt Lulu or your guardian angel, you know, watching over you. But if it was Aunt Lulu, she wouldn't be standing at the foot of their bed, shaking it and pulling their covers off, scaring the bejesus yeah. out of them. So you have to teach your power. You have to teach children, especially those that are empaths, which we're all born as empaths. And in traditional religion and the way that you're raised either you know, opens it up for you or kills it. But, um, you know, you've mm -hmm. got to teach them ways to protect themselves from the dark side of spirituality as well as, you know, embracing the light. Absolutely. Uh, can you, so I'm a, I'm a father of two. I have two, I actually have two stepkids. I have a 19 year old daughter, 17 year old son. Um, mm -hmm. And I definitely have had some very interesting experiences and, and they've only gotten stronger. My father passed just, just over five years ago uh, this month. Um, 
my question is, as a parent, what is a story? What is something that you can give, uh, you can kind of relate to us about an experience you went through with one of your children kind of telling you uh, of an experience or something that, that they were noticing uh, where you could let us know, uh, kind of walk us through what a situation like that might look like. Okay. Well, for instance, when I purchased that house, um, the day before I actually made my bid on it, I went to see the house with the realtor. Um, and again, it was one of those things where this poor lady had been dragging me around for a year and this house came on the mark. It wasn't even on the MLS ship, but it had come into her office and she called me and she said, this house is almost too good to be true. And it's in your price range. And of course, as a single mother, I didn't have a huge price range. So I was thrilled. And of course, that should have resonated with me because it was too good to be true. It was the booby prize. The um, beginning booby. of every horror story, by the yes. way. <laughs> yes. And, and, yeah, it was. And it, here was this beautiful house on a dead end street on a Florida flat lot, which good luck finding that in North Carolina. And um, so we went to see it and some things kind of started to happen then. But of course, I was still in that mode of pushing it away and denying it and denying it because I had been taught for so many years that, that those things didn't exist. So when I brought that day, I asked if I could bring my children back, you know, to, to see before I had made my bid. And when, while we were in there, I'm standing with the realtor and we noticed that now there are all these realtor cards on the counter. And I knew I had to make a bid that day found out that someone else had made a bid. So I pressure was on. And all of a sudden, my teenage daughter and my son come up. You know, he's he's six years younger than she is. She was like 13 and he was like seven. And um, they ask if they can go downstairs. And I said, sure. Well, my daughter was back up in about three minutes. Mommy, I don't like this house. I don't want to move here. I should have listened, but I didn't. I even asked her a second time. I said, what did you say? And she said it again. There is something about this house that I do not like and I do not want to move here. And of course, I'm thinking, oh, you know, she's a teenager. She is, she realizes that we're going to be moving and she's going to be changing schools and she want, you know, wants to stay with her friends type thing, even though yeah. they're only 20 minutes away. So I went ahead and made the bid and I should have listened. There were a lot of things that my children saw happening that they weren't telling me at that time. So, and of course, I was still kind of pushing things, you know, pushing things away. Not in the way that my parents did as much. I mean, I didn't like pound religion into them. If I, if they said that they saw something, we would all kind of scurry out of the room. You know, I'd redirect them out of the room, but I would never tell them that they weren't seeing what they saw. Right. Um, so, so um, with this house incident, it was haunted so badly that I was never able, I never moved in. To the house. We spent we spent two nights there. Friend of mine got clawed to the point of bleeding the house while she stood next to me. It was that bad. There were literally two demons and a young man that had hung himself in the house. And this was a house that was built in the 1970s. It was 1976. And the thing about um, things that people don't realize is it, it, places that are haunted, it's not about the age of the house. It's right. about the age of the ground that it's built on, and you don't know what was there. And like even what, what I was talking to Will earlier, you know, about the Indian mounts that are on the other side of Bethesda Hospital that got, um, you know, mo just got bulldozed down when they built the, radi the radiation area and the parking lot there. You know, that building's haunted. There's a lot of haunted areas around Boynton Beach, that is for sure, because I know they were walking through my house all the time. 
Oh yeah, so, I think Jay and I could possibly tell you, yeah, yeah, definitely. And you've witnessed it yourself. I mean, uh, yeah, this little town has a lot of history. Yeah, and you know, and my kids then would, had started seeing things, but at that point too, I started again connecting with people of like mind, and I didn't want to frighten my children. But my daughter did come up to me at one point after my friend had been clawed in that house, and. She overheard me talking on the phone. I, I had finally gotten on the internet. I'm I'm panicking, looking for somebody that can come in and get these things out. You know, because here I've already signed on the dotted line. I can't say, oh, here you can have your house back. Yeah. You know, so um, my daughter approached me and she said, "Mommy, I know what Claude Ellen." And I said, "You do." And she started to tell me the story about the hell dog started to describe it exactly the way that as I had seen it. She started talking about the second demon. It was a lower level demon, looked more like a gargoyle or like one of those monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. It would come in gangly legged and it would crouch down and its knees would come up at shoulder level and it would rock as it would as as it would watch people in the room. So and then my best friend saw them and I mean her kids saw them. I mean a lot of people saw these things. And I had probably 13 different denominations of religion come in there. Um, finding that a lot of times, if you have your church come in there or somebody that's, I had a Presbyterian minister and uh, Georgia paranormal um, in the house at the same time, I had Father Andrew Calder in there who has since passed away. But the mm -hmm. thing is, is sometimes, you know, when they come in, they make it worse. You know, yeah, they do. Yeah, that's they true. Can, that's true. That's true. So, that's a little thing that people don't really understand and realize that sometimes that, you know, you look for help and then you think you get it. But then a lot of times it goes silent for a very small part of time, you know, for a day or two. And mm -hmm. then next thing you know, it just ramps up again worse than what it was. And, you know, I, do you think it has to do with the, the, the religious side of it? Do you think is that what it is? Or, I mean, do you think that it just they lay low for a couple of days and they just say, OK, you know what? They just decided, OK, now. I'm going to show my true self and, you know, probably, you know, do as much as I possibly can. You know, what I have found is that there are so many facets to clearing a house that are not just based on religion. You know, there are, there are things that people have to do to even change themselves. Sometimes, you know, if you've got somebody in there with a porn addiction, you know, um, they think they're having that private moment. I have second sight. I can see the fans that gather around you while you're watching that stuff. And you should probably be charging for what you're doing in there watching that stuff. So um, I kind of lost uh, my, my, my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, That's okay. So what I'm, you know, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Would you please <laughs> ask me that again? I apologize. <laughs> I was no, no, it happens to all of us. No, no. What I was saying is, is that you know, you know, you have these things that happen. You know, mm -hmm. and then you 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 look back at it, and then you're like, okay, what what can I? Okay, what what can? Let me ask you this: What can somebody do once they have? You know, because like you said, everybody has empathic abilities, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And you go into a situation like you you did, and you know, you end up in a, in a place where you end up living in and mm -hmm. next thing you know you find out after the fact that you're dealing with this like how do you how do you kind of like deal with all that yeah you know how how do you car compartmentalize everything how do you figure this out 
I moved. I, ne- I never, I never moved in. <laughs> That's how I did it. Well, you know, the thing is, is, is going back to the religious thing again. Now I remember yes, what I was saying. Yes, yes. There are so many more facets to clearing a house than just the religion. For one thing, you need, they have to determine what you have in there because the first thing everybody does is they call and they say, I have a demon in my house. First thing, well, every time. How do you know it's a demon? You right. know, um, it it could be a poltergeist. It could be um, a loved energy. one. It, yeah, it could right. be residual energy. It could be right. somebody wandering through. It might be somebody lingering. Maybe you have an attachment that you're carrying in. So they have to find out what they're dealing with before they come in there. Because if you come in with sage to clear a house and it's a malevolent demonic spirit, it will piss it off. Sage yeah. doesn't touch the demons. It does not. You need something much stronger like ammonia and um, holy water and dragon's blood and things like that that you need to, to have. And there's, there are certain rituals that you need to do with even like cleaning the walls in your house. And you have to get rid of the clutter because they like that disorganization and clutter and they can hide. So when someone comes in to clear your house, if it's cluttered, there are too many hiding places for them to hide in. So, and it's not so much like in the case of mine, you know, people would come and things would get worse. I wasn't living in the house and it's not because I was there thinking about it, you know, rolling the red carpet. I mean, I had multiple uh, denominations of religion come in there. I actually went through the yellow pages and started going down the list. And I had so many people tell me, oh, you got to call the Catholics. They do that sort of thing. And I'm like, well, I thought your church is the one going to heaven. So why can't you help me? You know, so they would send me to the Catholics, you know, or I'd have people telling me that if I was going to their church, it wouldn't be happening to me. I even had two different churches tell me that because I was a single woman and I must be promiscuous, I hadn't been out on a date in four years, that because of my actions that I was bringing those in there. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yes, I don't sleep there at night. The place that I sleep has no problems. It's not me. It's that house. And I did get a hold of the people that sold me the house after I sold it um, and found out that their children were being attacked and their children were drawing pictures at school. They had a four-year-old and a six-year-old that were, um, you know, they ask you to draw a picture of your family in your house. You got the little stick people in the house with the flower, you know. So on one side, they'd have the family with the mom, dad, um, brother, the, the the daughter and son. And then on the other side, they'd have these three dark figures. And when they were asked about the dark figures, oh, well, those are the monsters that live downstairs in our house. So um, I did get a hold of them and was they also had to move because the house was um, was haunted. And anybody that, you know, yes, I did sell the house, but I did try to tell the people. Um, I couldn't bring myself to sell it to people that had children. Um, mm-hmm. I did sell it to a retired couple from Florida. Um, from Florida? They come up, yeah, they had been working at Publix for years. They were coming uh, up to retire. But the thing, yeah, Shopping is that. a pleasure. <laughs> I know, right? So when they came, there was one point, because it was a cash buy, there was one point that the, the house was a split-level house. So you'd go in on in a foyer, and you had the descending and ascending stairs. And we had gone in to sign papers, and we were coming down from the upper level to the foyer and out the double entry doors because it's a beautiful house. And um, so I hear the wife saying to the husband, why did you push me? Mm. And he said, I, I didn't, I didn't touch you. I didn't push you. And she says, 
yes, you did. And he said, no, I'm three steps back. I can't even reach you. And she said, well, I don't know what happened then, but something pushed me. And of course I knew what it was. There was a hell dog that played with the locks on the doors and would go up and down those stairs kind of, that was kind of like its area. You'd hear it growling sometimes, even if you got to the storage underneath the um, the stairs. So when they came out, I I understood why the people sold me the house and the way that they did it and why they didn't disclose that because you don't really have to. But I couldn't bring myself to do that to someone else. Yeah. So yeah. in that moment, my conscience got the best of me. And I said to them, I said, um, do you, um, you know, do you believe in ghosts? No, we are Baptist. We don't discuss those sorts of things. We don't entertain <laughs> those sorts of things. And we yeah. are we are protected. Well, they moved out six months later. So, um, yeah, it was that bad. Lynn, so, let me ask you this real quick, if you yeah. don't mind, Jay. I'm going to jump in real quick, Jay. Um, so you, you you go into this situation with this house and you, you get yourself out. Um, how, how does this, like, prepare you to go somewhere else? Like, I mean, when, when you're thinking you go to another place, like... I'm sure you're probably very anxious and, you know, like you said, the PTSD from mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff. I mean, how does that all play into effect? I mean, can't you, in some facts, maybe manifest your own thing from being, you know, having that anxiety as well? Uh, is, is that a possibility? You know, people can do that. Um, yeah. I, I usually don't manifest my own because um, um I don't know how to, I, I don't, I mean, anybody can manifest stuff, even with arguing, you know, two people mm -hmm. arguing can kind right. of cre create those shadow people that also look like snakes and those fluttering things that go across the floor that look like a manta ray, or mm -hmm. even if it gets up on furniture can be, mistake, can be mistaken as a cat. Those things are taken out with sage, by the way, um, very easily because they're mostly manifested by people. But for me, I actually have a, in the back of all of my books are the self-help section. And it talks about how in the first book, how to determine whether there's spirit activity in the home so that you can go in and check before you sign on the dotted line for, for your business or your home. And the thing is, is it's mostly going in. Um, a lot of times if you stand in the kitchen area or something, you say, is anybody here? Spirits will come forward. They're curious to see who's, who's asking. Um, um, in addition to that, before anybody goes walking through on the carpet or the floors through the house, the person with the camera goes through, you take pictures along the ceiling line about three feet down around uh, electrical boxes. Um, you will look for things that look like orbs. And I'm not talking about the orbs that are dust orbs. These, these are more milky colored. A lot of times you can see a face in them. A lot of times that face is inverted. So the eyes are on the bottom and the mouth is on top. Um, type thing. And then you can determine whether you want to move there or not. If you're okay having, you know, the 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 lady that wanders the hallway or the little girl, which <laughs> you have to keep in mind, sometimes those are more malevolent spirits that are posing as something more in, innocent so that you'll let right. them stay. Yeah. So really, really, it's not a good idea to have a, um, any kind of soul in your house, because even the ones that are harmless, they don't mean to, but they draw on your energy and it makes you feel more tired or you don't get your, you don't rest well. And then of course that rolls into all kinds of mental 
stresses and depressions and things like that and and can make you sick. So, you know, it's uh, one thing if they're passing through, it's another thing if they're going to move in. Jay? I so what is um what is something to look out for? Uh I've had some some of those kind of paranormal experiences. Thankfully, they've all been fairly passing ones or it was not really ever in my home. I only ever had one in my that was kind of in my home and it wasn't we didn't own the house very much longer after that. Uh unrelated, just mm-hmm. happy sense. Um, but what is something that maybe somebody can realize? Is there a way to tell maybe the level to know if it's something that you really want to try to stay away from or if it's something that that you need to to uh, to combat and deal with? You know, um, you, have, you need to send them to someone that's used to looking at them. You can send them to me. I'll be happy to look at the pictures if anybody goes in and they want to. And, and I can definitely identify some of the differences with things. And, and then again, in general, you know, it just it's. Do you really want, you know, having somebody hovering over you at night or walking through your house and, you know, looking at you in the shower or in the bathroom, (laughs) you know, even if they're innocent, even if it's, you know, the lady that used to live there that died in the house, you know, I mean, I think I would like to think that most people, if they're going to have somebody in the bathroom with them watching them shower, they would like to have somebody that they invite in, not somebody (laughs) that's not welcome. And that's a key piece, too, that people don't realize a lot of times, like even with children and spirits, like if they see something come into their room, um, they can point their finger at it and say, you were not invited here. Get out and leave now. There's something about the invitation that if they haven't been invited here, you can confront them on that and tell them you are not invited here. You do not have permission to be here. And a lot of times, some of them will just leave with that. So... Lynn, why are kids more open to this stuff? Why are oh, younger because, children so open to having these messages and being able to see these things? Because they don't have the filters. The filters kind of go into, they're wide open. Um, they're very psychic when they're little and born. And um, at around age six, they start to, these filters go into place. And part of the filters are built up of things that they've learned or, you know, their parents you know, oh, there's nothing there, da, 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 da. And the thing about those filters is they thicken and they start to efface on the flip side when people start nearing death. So those people are then able to see interdimensionally and see spirits of loved ones and things like that prior to their passing that are mistaken for hallucinations. So, you know, you'll hear them talking about it, but children, they're wide open. They're, they're born open. So... Yeah. And a lot of times, too, something else that somebody just pointed out recently, too, when you have a child that's going through puberty, because of I don't know what it is about that, that sometimes you might see some of those darker shadow things in there because, you know, when they they get pretty mouthy at that age and sometimes they're, you know, testing, you know, testing things, they might be sneaking and smoking or sneaking look at porno or something like that, you know. They, they do things that kind of draw stuff in sometimes at that age. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, that's another thing I wanted to ask you. You always see a correlation usually with children having that psychic ability or having that psychic breakthrough or whatever, piercing the veil or whatever you want to call it, usually around the, you know, age of having, you know, going through, ad, you know, from adolescence to being, you know, a grown up. So usually going through puberty, um, you, you find that a lot of the times. 
You know, it goes one of two ways. Sometimes it'll go dormant. And then, Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll be very psychic in the beginning. And sometimes, and if it's supported, then it kind of, kind of dies down a little bit during puberty and then reopens like at 16, 17, 18. And other times, like you said, there are times where it will open more during that, that puberty time. So, and I'm not exactly sure why that is, um, but it does happen that way. So it's an either or kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Jay, you have anything? Uh, well, more for me, I, I'm curious, have you ever come across or, or is, have you had a personal experience with somebody that you knew? I mean, I'm sure you've had plenty, um, but I'd be curious just to hear uh, maybe something, an experience that you had with somebody that you knew that had already crossed over um, just to kind of, again, help us understand a little bit more about what we're looking at, how energies can transfer as they cross and, and kind of when we should and when we shouldn't be afraid. Cause just to be clear, I've seen people I knew and I'm still scared out of my, my mind. It, it, <laughs> I always say you can't double leg take down a ghost. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and you know what, and part of that is conditioning. Um, you know, there are times that they will approach during your sleep and, and you're comfortable, you know, and that's why with the kid thing, you know, is it somebody that's making you feel uncomfortable or afraid, but um, I actually saw my mother pass away and leave her body, which was a beautiful thing, and which is the reason why I wrote the book, um, Colors of Heaven. And you do get to the point where you can decipher between them. I mean, a demon's pretty obvious, not only in, in what they look like, but the energy that they carry is very, I mean, yeah, it'll make you walk backwards upstairs just so, you know, if you're down in the basement <laughs> type thing. So And the thing that you have to remember, too, is they feed on any kind of negative emotion, fear, depression, anger, sadness. It's their candy. And when someone is exhibiting those types of behavior, it can feed them enough that it can exacerbate the problem to the point that they can actually do more physical acts. So even if you are peeing your pants, act like you're not. They, they do, they do not like joy and happiness, start singing a song, dancing, you know, um, you know, just appear very, very happy and elated because they don't understand that kind of emotion. And it's like repellent. It's like a stench in the room for them. They won't, they're, they're not going to hang out where there's joy and happiness, you know, so you, um, never let them see you sweat because they go more by what they see, if that makes sense. Um, and in what they hear. So, and that's another thing too, when people do cross over, they do keep all of their senses, whether they chose that you can either choose to cross over or not, um, whether you have chosen to or not, you still keep your senses, you can see, hear and smell. The difference being is a person that has not crossed over still maintains their uh, mental illness. If they have that, their addiction issues, their cause of death um, does show um, on them. Whereas when they have crossed over, they're not battling with those things anymore. But, you know, some people do choose to stay earthbound. And those are usually the ones that are walking through your house and uh, scaring you. So, yeah, it happens. Oh. You know, uh, the ones that uh, decide to stay earthbound um, <clears throat> and, you know, decide to stay in obviously domiciles of, you know, whatever house that they grew up in and passed away in. What can someone do to maybe help them cross over or, you know, I'm sure there's a difference between, you know, just a spirit, like, uh, you know, a human spirit. And then, you know, you're talking about a demon, which, you know, those are cases are few and far in between, but I'm sure there's other Mm -hmm. things that you probably would have to do as far as, you know, 
things to try to get rid of it, you know, versus a demon versus a human spirit. What does somebody can do to do something like that? I mean, can they can they do anything? Well, you know, they still have freedom of choice and some of them don't want to cross over. I had a prime example where I was working in a facility. Um, I was in front of a woman's room that was actively passing with my med cart. And there was a sitting area with pillars. And I could see the, the spirit of this man kind of peeking around this one pillar. And I said, hi. And he's kind of looking over his shoulder because this guy, the way that he was dressed, he appeared to be like from the 1800s, you know, mm-hmm. type thing. His clothes seemed that way and, and and that sort of thing. And I said, no, you there. I said, why haven't you crossed over? Because when when the loved ones come in to help people, help their loved ones cross over, sometimes wandering souls are curious. So they'll also come close, you know, type thing. Um this particular man, um, he was a very handsome man. He looked to be in his in maybe in his middle 30s. Um, he had a very heavy Irish brogue. Um, and he, I asked him, you know, he had this um, appearance of like Swiss cheese to his abdomen area, which to me indicates that he died of a corrosive disease, probably cirrhosis of the liver or some kind mm-hmm. of cancer. Um, and he approached my med card and I said to him, I said, look, I said, I can help you cross over. I said, this lady here is getting ready to pass. You can, I can get, I can hit your right. And not that you would have to do that. He could cross on his own. I was just trying to let him know that he could mingle in if he needed to, if he didn't want to go by himself for some reason. And, um, and he told me, he said to me, he says, me lady, he says, I, I can't cross over. And I'm like, oh, sure you can, you can cross over. I'm like, you know. Not very many people can see you. And if they did, they'd run off screaming. So I can help you if you want this opportunity. It's, you know, it may not come ever again. And he said to me, he said, I can't cross over. My wife and my mistress are on the other side and neither one knew about the other. So all of this time, this guy had chosen to stay earthbound because he didn't want to cross over and face up to his wife. Face the wrath. Yes, exactly. You know, and I'm like, well, look, you know, it's been a long time. They already know and they may not even be there anymore. So, you know, what are you hiding from? But things like this happen. They they choose not to cross over. Uh, some people yeah. with addiction choose not to cross over. Yeah. You would be absolutely shocked in the banana boat, in the mm. banana boat. I was in there one time. There was this couple sitting at the bar getting a little romantic. And you know how they have the, the seating all around and then you can go out into the back and they're right. sitting, get, they're getting romantic. And this lady had us to have like scotch on the rocks or something because it was a short glass with ice and you could tell it was nothing but liquor in it. There was no like mixed drink with an umbrella. Right. So we're walking in, there's this dead man standing next to her with no head and he's holding oh. the head and it's sitting, sitting it on the bar so that the nose is like sniffing at the fumes of her drink. <laughs> I kid you not. Okay. I mean, people, they have no idea on their cigarette break, how many dead people are just trying to stand around to, to snip the fumes. And Bub, a lot of yeah, people, smoke, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people say, oh no, well, when they cross over, they, they can't smell anything. It's not a smelling like the way that we smell. When my mother crossed over, she comes back every once in a while to visit with me. And there was uh, one time in particular, I said to her, I said, mom, I said, you know, don't you ever miss the taste of potato salad or like Bud's chicken or, or brownies. And, you know, and she comes through like a megaphone and she says, well, here we don't eat. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I know you don't eat. She says, but all that we have to do is to think of 
the item and the flavor and the sensation of eating it comes to us as if we are eating it, but, but they're not. Mm. I'm thinking to myself, Oh, wouldn't that be great? You know, no calories. You can have as much Ben and Jerry's as you want. You know what I'm saying? But she explained it that way. So even with the smell thing, it's a memory thing that brings the smell to them. It may not be, they obviously they don't have a nose with an olfactory center and stuff like that, but the, the imagination, and really if you stop and you think about something like that. It's um, like Peter Pan. Yes, yes, exactly. Right? So, yeah. yeah, so, you know, and um, that's kind of how, you know, that sort of thing works, but a lot of them are will be stuck here with addiction, or maybe they're they're guilty because of something that they did that nobody knows about, or maybe they're watching over a loved one that hasn't crossed over yet, That they, or a pet. Pets do go to heaven, everybody. You get to see your babies in the in the second meeting. First meeting's usually with people. Sometimes a pet will come in if the person's more comfortable with pets than people, but usually it's people, and then you have your private time with your animals. And don't be surprised if you have a, you know, a camel or an elephant come approach you because all of your animals are there for many, many lifetimes. So, yeah. That's what you will think I wanted to yeah. ask you. Yeah. Yeah. You so, so when you do pass over, are you, is that a collective consciousness of past lives as well? I mean, is that, yes, is, is that what's going on? Yes, it is a collective consciousness. Um, you do connect with people uh, from, and, and the thing is too, is when I mentioned about the galactic part of it and how it's all um, together, the only way that I can explain it is when my mother passed away and I saw her come out of her body, um, there was all of all of these people were here, the, the wall of any face, I was actually looking into the other, there are colors there that we don't have here. You would need multiple um, color wheels to mm. have the colors that are on the other side. and. And the light just kind of emits from within the atmosphere itself. There's no way to describe it. The feeling of love and elation that comes from that side, there are no words that can describe it or feeling that can touch it. But when, after after she had, everybody started coming up to greet her. And some of the people I recognized, uh, people that had passed over, like my grandparents or my aunts or uncles, a few cousins and things like that. There were other people there that I didn't recognize, but she did. But there were also these very, very magnificent beings that appeared to be the level of angels. And they walked with the angels, but they didn't have wings. And they kind of looked like they were from somewhere else. So my feeling was in, in that moment, my mother has confirmed that they were from somewhere else. And you have to realize that with as many stars as there are in the sky, there have got to be many solar systems with similar planets like ours. It would be ignorant to think that we are the only ones in this big, huge universe. And when those those spirits, or not spirits, when those, I want to say people, I'm looking for a word here. When those beings, yes, thank you. When those beings finish out their time on the planets that they are on, they also have to have a place to go. We are energy. Um, You know, energy can't be, if you want to go from a scientific thing, energy cannot be created or destroyed. So when we leave our bodies, we have to go somewhere. And so do they. So you you will see um, you know, spirits from other places also there. And when they walked my mother out of the room past me, um, my sister was with her. I, I had, my youngest sister was murdered by a jealous boyfriend in Palm Springs, Florida, Baptist minister's son. Um, and 
my grandmother, my mother's mother was with her, walking with her, but there were these five other beautiful beings that some of them had been with her throughout her whole life. Sometimes they interchanged, but there were also those magnificent beings that were from somewhere else that were uh, literally, I mean, they were so tall, like, like their head was half, half out of the roof. You know, I mean, it was like cutting them off, like right here, because they were so and beautiful. And they, they walked with her to assist her with the angels and with my, my grandmother, my sister to help her, um, you know, cross over. Crossover. Yeah. Yes. Wow. What an amazing story. I mean, Lynn, I mean, you've really, you know, blown, blown us away tonight. I mean, with some of the stories that you've told us um, when, let me ask you this, if, if I could, um, what, if a person does have these abilities, like you say, empathic abilities and, um, you know, they struggle with, you know, maybe addiction or whatever the case may be, you know, what can one do to maybe realize what, you know, you know, they have as far as a gift and try to be like, you know, nurture that side and get rid of that other, the dark side of the, of the addiction side and kind of embrace, you know, their, their inner powers. You know, it, it's, it's difficult because those of us that are interested in this sort of thing, we did not reincarnate, we incarnated. And that means that we came here because we chose to. We had actually finished a lot of the levels. We didn't have to come back. We chose to come back to be here for this particular time. So our lights are brighter than most people's. And that's why souls follow us. And people, the dark wants to dub out the light. And that's why they present to a lot of people with that have incarnated, do have more addiction problems and things like that because they, the dark wants to derail them on their life path. So once that's been allowed into their life, it's very, very difficult for, um, for them because with addiction, there are archon type attachments that attach. They look like reptiles, sometimes with a tail like a lizard or, or mm. alligator, sometimes a human, but on the ones that are reptilian, there are spiders, and there are crab looking things. They fit like neat little backpacks on their backs. The thing that is very, very um, just uh, that I that is odd about them is their heads are much smaller in comparison to their bodies. So and the heads kind of kind of align and they can look over either side and they talk into the person's ear. This is another thing with schizophrenia, too. So um, yeah. but. You know, and it's the luck of the draw. I don't I don't know if somebody with the drug addiction gets the crab, which, of course, is the worst one and hardest one to get off uh, the reptilian one because they're a drinker. I don't know how that happens. Um, I, I have taken them off of people. But the thing is, is you can get them off yourself when you stop using the substance. But it's so hard to do. You constantly have to keep up with that. Um, like going to your AA meetings if you're an alcoholic and having the support system because the thing about the archons is when they detach, they never leave. Um, my brother uh, was a cocaine addict and an alcoholic and he had one that was reptilian with a human buttocks. And the thing about him is, is he'd been 20 years clean and whenever he would go to get ready to come and visit, even before we knew he was coming to visit, that archon would precede him in my house. 
So we would see it. Yes. So we would see it. It would jump from the corner to the corner of the ceiling. They usually don't come down lower than three feet. They can turn their head all the way around. And the thing that's also very distinguished about their head is the heads are small, but they have a thin like flap that goes to the back of their neck. It's not like rigid, like a dolphin. It's floppy. So when their head turns around, it kind of falls over their face um, sometimes, and we would see that. My kids would see it, and they say, "Oh, Uncle Ray's going to be coming to visit." Sure enough, wow. the next day, I would get the phone call that they were planning on coming up with their camper to see me and my mom. And when he mm. would arrive, it would leave. And when we would go to visit him in his house, you would also see it going on the ceiling. So it, they they linger because they're waiting for that opportunity to reattach. I mean, hey, they had a good thing going. You know, anybody yeah, sure. with addiction, it's not just the addiction with the person, it's the rippling effect that's created for the for the family and for, you know, it causes divorce, it causes fighting, it causes job loss, it causes you know, all other, uh, you know, even affects the neighborhood if they got some drunk screaming out in the middle of the night driving their car through their living room window. You know, it affects everybody in the community and they wait for that opportunity and continue to entice the person to try to get them to trip up and go back to their addiction so they could reattach. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I, I never even thought about the, you know, the, 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 the theme of, you know, an archon, you know what I mean? Something like that attaching. Mm -hmm. Do you believe in generational also type of things like that, that get passed on from generation to generation? Well, yes, in the sense that there are certain behaviors, there are certain codependent mm -hmm. type behaviors that that mm -hmm. um, attract those. You're kind of conditioned um, right. with generation. You know, uh, kids go by what they see. Um, a lot of there aren't a lot of healthy boundaries that are that people need when a person has drug addiction or alcohol and you're raised by somebody like that. You know, one minute you come in, if you, your dad's drunk, you've got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So you either stand at the door and feel the air. Oh, is it safe to stop in the kitchen and talk to mom or do I need to go hide in my bedroom because dad's on the warpath? So that just is an example. You know what I mean? So you're, you become conditioned to that that um, constantly having to protect yourself type thing, and and you don't you 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 always have to be like on eggshells type thing. And when you get used to that sort of thing, you become a survivor. And a lot of times, the survivor skills there are a lot of skills that are not in their toolbox, so to speak. So when they become an adult, they are short a few tools, and they have to either modify their behavior and learn a new way. Or they have to um, go through counseling. I know my father was a raging alcoholic. He was a brilliant man. He was a professor at Palm Beach Junior College, which is now Palm Beach University. Um, so, and he also taught at FAU and at the jail, for that matter. Um, but he was wow. a math math professor, and but he was brilliant. But he was a mean drunk. And um, my 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 brother was more prone towards picking up that from him because once you cross over of course that thing doesn't go with you but if you choose not to cross over it's still enticing you in the spirit realm um as well so it's it's really really important that even if you do have some form of addiction problem please cross over all of that will you'll be helped with all of that if you linger here on earth you're going to continue the same vicious cycle and for a very very long time maybe even eternity so okay, anything else before no uh, well, you oh, know, I was going to say, I, yeah, I don't want to stick around for eternity. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's too long. Way too long. Yeah, that's too much, right? Yeah. Uh, Lynn, um, your book, Omnipresent, and then your latest one, Colors of Heaven, Beginnings Never End. Um, it's pretty much a lot about what we've been talking about tonight, correct? Yes, it is. And so much more. There's so much more there. And the thing that's unique about all of my books is I always put a self-help section in the back. So like, for instance, the first one you can tell how you can determine whether there's a problem before you move in. The second one talks about some of the things that you can do to clear the the, the things such as polter, poltergeist or which are different than demons or the, mm-hmm. the dark um, um, shadowy things that are man-made type thing of how to clear those sorts of things. Um, and then this last book that I'm doing too, it actually talks about how to put up walls of defense, especially if you're living in an apartment or a townhouse that's connected because they can go through the walls. You know yeah, what I mean? It makes it's sense. Like, it's like, yeah. you come and clear my house. Ha ha. I'll just go next door and wait for you to get done, you know, type thing. <laughs> but so you got to have ways that you can actually put like a force field around your, your particular, you know, space. If, if that's happening, or even your bedroom, if you're sharing a place with roommates or you're renting yeah. a room with somebody, you've got to be able to protect yourself that way. Like a psychic force field, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a little bit more than that. I mean, it's you've got things in the corner kind of creating those, those linear lines. And, um, you know, and, and there's actually a cleansing that goes with it, too, that you go in that you literally wash the walls down with like ammonia solutions and things like that if they're not like wood treated or something right. but you have to prep you have to prep everything before you put those force field things in um they really do hate ammonia that's for sure so mm. wow amazing uh lynn i mean uh just so much information tonight uh, you, you've been <laughs> such an amazing guest you talked about your books omnipresent and of course uh, colors of heaven beginnings never end um i implore everybody to go ahead and check out your website lynnmonet.com um Lynn, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And again, it's so crazy, the synchronicities uh, of this world, right? Uh, You uh, having, uh, you know, basically growing up in the same town, me and Jay uh, have, you know, I still live in Boynton. Uh, Jay doesn't, but he grew up in Boynton pretty much his entire life. Um, Yeah, just a crazy, you know, synchronicity. Uh, We do believe in that. And, you know, we believe in, you know, things happen for a reason. So um, we thank you so much, Lynn, for coming on the podcast tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I'll look you up when I come to Ocean Ridge, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Lynn. (laughs) And uh, we'll have to have you come back on for another uh, episode of Dark Fringe Radio. Again, everybody can follow you, uh, of course, at LynnMonet.com. Is there anywhere else they can follow your stuff, Lynn? Yes, I have a podcast Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's called Synchronicity, the next level paranormal. It is not the 101 (laughs) class on paranormal. I say the next level paranormal because it is a place where we're not trying to convince you that there are ghosts or cryptids or aliens. We already know that those exist. Bigfoot, and of course, in in Florida, he's called um, uh, Skunk Ape. Yeah, Skunk Ape, the same thing. But um, (laughs) But it is a place that people can come to congregate and talk about freely these things because we already know they exist. So um, I'm also on Journey Through the Gate with Cisco on the last Sunday of every month, um, also at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And um, wow, let's see. Um, yeah, I guess I guess, you know, that's it. I've got a lot of other things scheduled. You can find my schedule on on my my website. 
Um, I'll be putting it there. You can also find my schedule on my podcast of other places that like, for instance, this one will be on there so that people can, can find me and find you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We look forward to that. Uh, Lynn, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, You know, you've been an absolute delight. Uh, Thank you so, so, so much. And uh, again, we'll have to have you come back on dark French radio. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you for having Uh, me. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Lynn. All right. Dark Fringe Radio, your premier source for the paranormal, conspiracy theory and true crime.